0: gave it to me on. Okay. All right, now we're on. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. Well, anyway, I just I was moved by the fact that the Bible says we are to know the time that we're living in and the lateness of the hour. And um, so we're so close to the end of the age, I believe, when Jesus Christ is going to come back and rapture the church that I think the Bible is trying to prod us to do something about that and not to wait until tomorrow to make a decision about... What to do for the Lord Jesus Christ. He could come back tonight and many times uh, we find ourselves just going about our daily business and not caring really about what we should be doing for the Lord. Um, <clears throat> Kathy and I are both uh, hovering around the 65 mark. And uh, I don't know how much time. I would love to have 20 more years, but I don't know that. In fact, you could be uh, 15 or 20 or 30 years old. You don't know how much time you have. Uh, it's not just our own physical age, but we are right up against what I believe to be the rapture that is going to come. I believe when you take a look in the world today, you can see that we are right there. We are very close. Uh, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is with his disciples. He's just left the... Um, he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. And um, they ask him, when will you set up your kingdom? When are you coming back? And he told them, it's not for you to know the time and the hour. That's all in the Father's power. And uh, we don't know the time. We don't know uh, when he's coming back. Uh, even the second coming. We won't know that until there's the, the first part of that, which is the rapture. Then we can start maybe with the seven years. But right now, we have no idea when he's coming back. But well, we can take a look around at the signs of the times. In Matthew chapter 24 and in verse 1, It says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in My name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows, almost like the birth pangs Uh, Before the tribulation and in the tribulation. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. And shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended. And shall betray one another. And shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end shall be saved. Physically endures till the end of the tribulation. And this gospel shall, uh, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. When ye therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the, of Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. I believe that's right in the middle of the tribulation that the Antichrist will sit on the throne of God in the temple that he's allowed the Jews to build. And it's an abomination of desolation. He desecrates the holy place and the holy of holies. In verse 29, it says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He is... Coming again in verse 32. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation, the one that sees these things happening, shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my father only but as the days of Noah were so shall also the coming of the son of man be so we read all about this and uh, all of Matthew 24 basically most of the whole chapter is about the tribulation okay in verses 4 5 all the way up to verse 11 and some other verses uh, uh, this, this could be the today's newspaper about what's going on in the world today. We see all this anti-Semitism and the persecution and, and all the things that are happening in the world. This is the beginning of the tribulation. If we're going to see the beginning that happened here during this time, we're over here. We must be right up against the rapture. We must be very close. Because I believe the table is set for us to be raptured out of this world because the wrath of God will not be upon the church. It is going to come upon those during the tribulation as he draws the Jews back to himself. And then the second coming comes. So this is talking about the second coming. This has to happen first. And everything that we see in the world today seems like it's coming right out of Matthew 24. What I'm trying to say is we need to wake up. We need to realize how close we are to never having an opportunity to do something for God here now unless we unless we make a decision to do something about that right now we are in the days of noah there's eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and people have no idea what is coming unless we tell them unless we have our own ministry of some kind and let this world know that there's a god who loves them this is their mission this is your missions month and we should we should realize that we it's a very late hour we should understand the times that we are living in this is the day of decision uh, and action. It's not later, uh, it's not tomorrow. The Bible says back in Romans chapter 13 in Romans chapter 13 it says it is high time. That means this is the hour, right now. It's it's high time. It's 11:59 on the clock, okay? We are right up against what I believe to be the rapture could happen at any moment. So, we have to make a decision. About what we're gonna do for the Lord. The Christian church, for the most part, is asleep. It's comfortable. It's lazy. Uh, it's neglecting itself. It's distracted. And it's carnal. And that's just the truth. Uh, you know, God be praised that Bible Baptist Church in Ballincolleg isn't like that. Uh, there's a lot going on here. There's a push towards winning souls. But for the most part, the Christian church is carnal. Uh, you couldn't tell it. Differ, any differently from the world. And, uh, look, we wouldn't tolerate, we would not tolerate an army of soldiers who were as unprepared as some Christians. And we are supposed to have our own armor on. We are putting on the armor of God and the armor of light, as it says here in verse 12, because we are, we are the soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if it was inspection time, a lot of us would fail inspection. And, but there's going to be a judgment coming. There will be a judgment seat. We will stand before Jesus Christ. And we will answer for what we did in this body, whether it be good or bad. So <clears throat> it's up to you to make a decision. Am I going to allow myself to go on in the condition I am? I'm not serving God. I choose to do what I want to do. And uh, realizing that there's going to come a time uh, when, when there's judgment. You know, God knew that these days would come. God knew that there'd be faith lacking in these days. And it certainly is. It's hard to knock on doors nowadays. It's hard to find anybody that cares anything about their own soul. It's hard to find someone. You plead with them about their soul and they just don't care. There's no, uh, as far as Christians, we need to have the faith and believe that God is going to bring some kind of harvest if we just be faithful that will, will pluck a few brands out of the fire and be able to set, and hold them up and say, God did a work here. Well, we're told to wake up. And, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, kids getting ready for going to school in the morning, they don't want to get up. And, uh, no matter what you do, you can prod them and you can hit them over the head with a broom and they won't get up. You gotta shake them. Wake up! Come on, it's time to go to, it's time to go to, uh, school. And, uh, it's time to go to work, amen? Get out of the bed. Well, that's what we have to do with some Christians. You have to shake them and say, come on, don't you realize where we're at on the time clock here? We don't have a lot of time. Some of us are starting to age. And uh, others, no matter what age we are, we're coming up right up right against, right up against the rapture. I guarantee you, if you're not doing what God's called you to do, making an effort to win souls and serve the Lord, when the rapture happens, you are going to be ashamed at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. Look, we're all going to have some things that burn up. And we're but don't you want a few things that you can lay at the at God the father 's feet and say, "Here, this is what we did for jesus christ don't you want to show him something that you did just for him i'm just trying to i'm just trying to encourage you to to make a decision tonight. I was going to do this, but i didn 't do it we'll do it tonight is the night to say i 'm going to teach sunday school i 'm going to go out soul winning uh, there needs to be more people out uh, knocking on doors I, I don't care if you feel like you're getting too." rejected all the time at the doors, join the club. That's what we do. We go out and get rejected. But you know what? It's accepted in his eyes. He's marking it down. He sees what we do. And you know what? There's still some people out there that are going to get saved. We just need some laborers for the harvest. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. The Bible says this in verse 14. Ephesians 5.14, you know, the Bible fits together so wonderfully about all these different subjects that we, we preach on. But it says there, wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. God said, awake from your sleep. It looks like you're dead. In fact, some of us, we're not serving the Lord at all. Uh, if we know the truth, we need to do the will of God. Amen. We need to wake up. The world needs light. And they're not going to get it anywhere else but from Christians. We are the light of the world. We are supposed to carry that light out to a dark world. Christians need to wake up and speak the truth and love to a lost world. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And in verse uh, in verse 4, it says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Speaking of the second coming and the rapture. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We're not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we're not under the wrath of God. Anybody who thinks that um, that, uh, Christians are going through the tribulation needs to read a couple other verses and find out God would never do that to his bride. He's taking us home. At the, at the rapture, and then the tribulation is going to begin for those who have, who have rejected Christ. But um, we have some work to do. And we need to get dressed for battle every day. And uh, we need to be ready to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's really no excuses that are going to stand up in the judgment. So since we have this work to do, our salvation is nearer, it says in Romans, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I got saved almost thirty years ago, and, and now my salvation is even closer. And there's a time I'm getting closer to either uh I go the way of all men or the rapture. But either way, I'm closer to my salvation now than I was when I first got saved. And you know, there's just only so much daylight until the darkness comes. At John chapter nine and verse four, it says, I must work the works of him that sent me while this day. The night cometh when no man can work. So the night is coming. Jesus said it. Jesus knew it. He says, I have to do the will of God now. What are we waiting for? Don't wait. Tonight, make a decision to uh, to do something. Knowing the time. To put on the armor of God. And uh, look at the next thing here. Cast off some things. In uh, Romans chapter 13. And uh, in verse... Where are we at here? Verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on. So when you cast something off, you put on the armor of light. So we're told to cast off the works of darkness. Wicked things and wicked deeds that those, that someone in darkness would do. Someone that was unsaved. But he's talking to Christians. There's Christians that are doing some wicked things and they need to cast off these works of darkness, these things that are causing you not to put on the armor of light. We found ourselves mired in sin. He says to put it away, to lay it aside, cast off what? Things that we're going to look at in the next verse. Because when we get mired in sin, when we find these things in our life, we become of no effect for God. We cannot do the things that we should be doing for the Lord until we cast off the sin in our life. God knows it. God sees it. And we become ineffectual and we have no influence in the world until we cast this stuff off. Now, Ephesians chapter 5. Go back to Ephesians chapter 5, please, and look in uh, verse 20. Ephesians chapter 5 and in verse 20. You know, the Gentiles, it says in the Earlier verses are having darkness and blindness of their heart, their past feeling and uh, committing all kind of lusts and lasciviousness and uncleanness. But in verse 20 it says, But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard Him and have been taught by Him, and the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Put off that old man and his deeds. Uh, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So Paul was saying, that old man's crucified. I do not, do not have to serve him anymore. I don't have to do those things anymore. The thoughts and deeds of the old man and the flesh don't have to overtake you. Cast them off. Put them away. Uh, that which was was crucified with Christ when you got saved. You know, ask yourself, how are you spending your time? How do you spend your time? Knowing that the time is late, many of us need to take a good evaluation of our heart. Many of us need to take our own spiritual temperature and figure out, where am I? It doesn't matter what the preacher's saying right now, unless the fact that I would take it to heart and evaluate myself. He's not evaluating me. I'm gonna evaluate myself and find out where I am. I have to do that, and you have to do that. And say, am I serving God? Am I putting on the armor of light? I, am I going to cast off the things out of my life that shouldn't be there and put on the things that um, God wants me to put on? In Ephesians chapter 5, look in verse 11 and 12. Just Verse 11 and 12 says, uh, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Which are done of them in secret. We're not to be playing around with sin. we're not to be doing nasty things and Christians are doing some nasty things. Uh, I can't I don't see into your life and you don't see into my my life, but God does and uh, how we are in darkness and when we're alone is who we are and uh, verse seven says, "Be not therefore partakers with them. don't get involved with that with that stuff for ye were sometimes darkness, but now. Are you light in the Lord? Walk as children of light. Walk with your God. Walk with Jesus Christ. You know, we need to be clean. We need to be clean and we need to call out sin. We need to rebuke it. We need to admonish folks and warn them with the Bible. I wonder, are we ready to 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 tell people about Jesus Christ? Do we know how to uh, to lead somebody to the Lord? Do we know what's right and wrong? Can we uh, have we gotten ourselves to a place where we're going to admonish those works? Not fellowship with them, but even admonish them and rebuke them for living like that. I'm not talking or going around being a judge of everybody. I'm talking about when people try to bring you into certain things or do certain things, or, or you, someone close to you who's not serving God, and, and you're able to help them get out of some sin that they're caught up in. Why? Because we're supposed to cast this stuff off. We're supposed to be clean so we can be used of God. You know, we're told how we're supposed to live in this age. This is, uh, you know, first the bad. In Romans chapter 13, in, in verse 13, it says, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. It's kind of like they're grouped together. You see that? Rioting and drunkenness. Chambering and wantonness, and strife and envying. These are the things we shouldn't be involved in. Okay? In fact, we learn that we are to reprove these things, not be involved in them. And I am not so naive to think that somebody, even in here, could be involved in some of these things. Um, We never know what is going on in someone's life. But we learn to reprove them. Now you have the riding and drunkenness. Rioting is that party lifestyle, okay? Overindulgence, excess. The prodigal son wasted his living with riotous living. Wasted his inheritance with riotous living. And uh, so it's a good idea of somebody that you could read about and say, I don't want to go down that path. I don't want to take what God's given me and just throw it all away. That's a party lifestyle. Drunkenness. It's called intoxication, and you notice the word inside of the word is toxic. Alcohol is toxic to the human body. It robs the body of oxygen. Even small amounts. Christians should not be drinking anything that is alcoholic. I think it's a stain. It's a stain against Jesus Christ to be to drink any alcohol in your life. Uh, so leave it alone. There's no reason for it. As, especially when someone says, "Well, I only have a glass of wine a night," or. My friend, you are, the Bible calls that drunkenness. The Bible says, uh, be filled with the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. There is no way you can be both filled with the Spirit and filled with a glass of wine and say that you're under the power of the Holy Spirit. You are under the control of the alcohol. So it needs to be out of our life. There is no reason for Christians to be drinking alcohol. You have chambering and wantonness. Lewd behavior, immodesty, living together. That's going on today in the Christian church. Chambering, living together, nasty, naughty behavior. You know, the word naughty isn't, isn't like we think it is. It's a, it's, it's a much more severe word. Uh, we, we tell little Johnny if he reaches into the cookie jar and gets a cookie, he slaps his hand and says, you've been a naughty boy. You shouldn't have did that. Mommy told you not to do that. Well, that's not what naughtiness means. Naughtiness is wicked, vile sin. And James tells us that many people find themselves in a superfluity of naughtiness, an abundance of wickedness and vileness in the Christian's life. That is not going to make us um, good uh, soldiers for the Lord Jesus Christ. There's wantonness, loose living, no restraints, and you know, I see filthiness allowing that into our lives or. Complete unbridled living. Doing whatever we want to do. There's no godly control over our life. We're going to do what we want to do. That is wantonness. And then there's strife and there's envy. So, fighting and opposing each other in anger and quarrels and arguments. Now we might be hitting a little closer to home, you see. In fact, you know that sounds like that YouTube preacher. What's his name? Anderson. That's who that sounds like to me fighting and opposing and anger and quarrels and arguments that's all that guy is is a brawler and uh he's going to cause problems and he's been causing problems that's strife and envy not being happy for someone else's good fortune amen you want to see people fail that's called envy so you can look at that and you can feel pretty good about yourself <laughs> i don't drink i don't smoke i don't do any of that stuff you know I don't, i'm not chambering and uh, I'm, I'm really not at striving with anybody. I have no envy. Well, Romans thirteen thirteen says, let us walk honestly as in the day. So for the Christian, it's to walk honestly as in the day. That doesn't mean just today. It means in the light. It means let people look at your, God can look at your life. People can see your life. And it's a life that is honoring to God. Are you living an honest life? Meaning, are you living an upright life? A just life? You're not a fraud and disguising yourself as a Christian in name only. Are you living according to the truth? You see, many of us have things that maybe weren't listed here, but they still can be, I guess, grouped with Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Be not drunk with wine, don't be under the control of alcohol, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You have to look into your own heart and in your own life and say, what has control over me? Is it the Holy Spirit of God? Or is there something else in my life that has control over me? Whether it's sports, sleeping tablets, uh, computer, uh, who knows? But it's not listed there. But it's in your life. And it has control over you. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Each one of us needs to take a look at our own heart and see those secret lusts that are in our own heart that maybe we can't see them listed there, but they're keeping us from being under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. No one really knows about it, but God does. No one knows about this secret sin in my life, but God does. Would it be okay to shine a light on our walk with God? Would it be okay to say, let's just open up your heart in front of everyone. Now look, all of us are just sinners here, saved by the grace of God. But our, but we need to be a little bit more transparent in our walk. We need to stop thinking we can hide from God, uh, those things done in darkness. God sees it. He sees everything that I do. And I just want to be used as much as I can, as, as, as well, as often as He wants to use me, uh, because I'm walking in Honesty, um, as in the day. My life is an open book for people to look at. Have your life completely open for all to see, as in the day. That's what we call transparency, okay? Christians have really no effect anymore. They're powerless. Many of us, the Bible says in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. So it's not God's fault. God gave us the Holy Spirit. It's It's a matter of yielding to Him. Completely our lives. Yielding to the Holy Spirit gives Him full control of us. We're not going to get any more of the Holy Spirit. We have all the Holy Spirit we're ever going to get. It's just a matter of how much of us does He have. So Christians have no effect because of some of the things that are in their life. We would need to walk honestly as in the day. Now Romans 13 and in verse 12 says the night is far spent. That means we're coming. We're 11.59 on the clock, right? The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, All right, and put on the armor of light. Put on the armor of light. That means to consciously put on the armor of God, which I've been preaching in down in McCroom, but all of us understand what it means to put on the armor of God. Do it for the reason that it, it, it's a way for us to be ready and defending ourselves against the devil and to serve the Lord. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, By the word of truth, this is how people, ministers of God and servants of God, they're having the right life. Living in the right life. And in verse 7 it says how? By the word of truth. By the power of God. By the armor of righteousness. On the right hand and on the left. It's just doing what is right. Putting on the armor of righteousness. Doing what is right and honest before God. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And in verse 24 it says this. And that ye see, we put off the old man, and in verse 24, that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness again and true holiness. We need to put on that new man. That's put on really it's just putting on the life of Christ, isn't it? But the new man has become a soldier in the army of God. He's a soldier of God. He's he's been saved. When God saved you, He chose you. You've been put into the army of God and you have a tour of duty, amen? (laughs) You're going to have to serve God until He takes you home or until the rapture. In chapter 6 and in verse 10 of Ephesians, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So God has provided us with armor we need to stand against the wiles of the devil. And that word wiles means Satan uses all kind of different things to get into your life and into your heart. And uh, if you're not wearing the armor, especially the breastplate of righteousness and watching out for your heart, the devil's going to get something in your heart and, and he's going to drive a wedge between you and God. God has provided that armor for a reason. We're supposed to stand. We're supposed to fight back against the devil, not run from the devil. Most of us find ourselves running from the devil, but running to sin. The Bible says just the opposite. Flee fornication. Resist the devil. And uh, we could do that if we would put the armor on. We could face the devil, uh, face on, and and do it in faith. The Bible says over and over again there in in chapter 6, stand, withstand, stand. We're We're to plan ourselves and fight back against the devil. Strength is in the Lord. My strength is in Christ. It's not in me. And when I put on the righteousness of Christ and I try to live right, I become stronger. I become invincible like David. We talked about him this morning. Little David against a nine-foot giant. He put him down because he said, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason for us to go and fight this, this giant? David was a young, righteous boy. And that made him 30 feet tall according to that giant's nine feet. He was, he, he had the righteousness of Christ and it strengthened him. And he brought down that giant. And there's a lot of giants in our lives that we can bring down if we would just put on the armor. And, and the breastplate of righteousness strengthens in the Lord. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We don't have a whole lot of time. It's going to be over soon. Second Timothy chapter two and verse three, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him. See, you've been chosen uh, in Christ to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for the masteries, for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. You know, we just looked at this that uh, we have to endure hardness. There's a lot of things that are coming in our life that are tough. They're hard, and uh, you find yourself you're the only Christian in your home. That could be tough uh, to, to deal with family and your own flesh and your friends, and, and you've been discarded. Nobody wants to be with you anymore because you're a Christian. Uh, that's hard, but that's hardness that a soldier has to endure. If he's gonna be a good soldier for Jesus Christ. And if you're gonna be in the battle, then you're gonna to have to not entangle yourself with the affairs of this life. Christians are very distracted. We all have a tendency to be distracted and drawn in with all the, all that the world has to offer. There's so much out there that, that draws away our attention. But if we're gonna do it, as the verse 5 says, strive, if we're gonna, if we're going to contend, if we're going to run the race, if we're going to fight in the battle, they're going to have to do it lawfully. We can't do it unlawfully. We've got to do it according to the Bible. Like, like little David did. David was righteous. He had a righteous cause and he trusted in God and God brought that giant down in his life. You know, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, the Bible says, "Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I mean, what's the purpose of a light? It's to give light. It's to shine. It's a, it's a drive away the darkness. And uh, you have to ask, how much light are you shining into this world? Each one of us has to look at our lives and say, uh, uh, are you on a hill or are you in the valley? Can people see your light? Are you making a difference for Jesus? Or are you caught up in sin and there's a bushel basket over your light? You see, you can't see your light because it's, it, there's sin in your life and it's covered. Does God get glory in your life? That's what happens when you shine your light and you do your good works. God gets glory. You have to ask yourself, is God getting any glory in my life? So here's our goal. Romans chapter 13 and in verse 14, it says this, But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provisions provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. That's the goal, is to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. When you put that armor on, you're putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just read something to you if you want to run over there. It's Galatians um, 3.27, but let me get over there real quick and read it for you. Galatians 3.27 says this, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ at our salvation have put on Christ. He is our righteousness. He's the reason I'm going to heaven. God looks down and doesn't see Dan. He sees, he sees his son. It's his righteousness. So put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't push him away. Don't, don't put off Jesus by, by the sin in our lives, by the darkness. Put him on. Let him have control of your life. We are partakers of his nature. We can do his will and his life can be in us. So put on his life. You know, Jesus, Jesus wore many different robes, didn't He? And it's an example of how we should live our lives. Jesus wore the robe of holiness. In 1 Peter 1.16, it says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And when, when, when Jesus walked this earth, He was holy. He was absolutely sinless. He is holy. Um, we will wear those robes of white linen someday in our own righteousness in heaven. The saints will wear robes of white linen. And finally, we'll be shedding away all that sin. will not be in our life anymore. That old flesh will be gone. But for right now, we can try to live like He lived. Holy. The Bible says, be ye holy. It doesn't say try. Be ye holy, for I am holy. We can live a good, holy life. We can wear that robe that Jesus wore. Jesus wore the robe of a servant. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, He took upon Him the form of a servant. I mean, Jesus went way down low when He came into this world. Remember who He was and where He was in heaven. And He came down and took on the form of a servant. Did He not bend down and wash the disciples' feet? Did He not show us that that's how you're going to be happiest? By serving others. He took upon Him the form of a servant. We need to put the robe on of a servant. To be just like Jesus. Jesus wore the robe of a king. In Matthew 27-28, it says they stripped him and put on a scarlet robe. You remember when they persecuted him and they beat him and they scourged him. And then they put that scarlet robe on him. they I wonder if they realized they were putting the robe on a king. That he was the king of kings standing there. Being beaten and treated horribly. Now look, I'll never be a king. I, I may be a priest and I it may be all this in Jesus' eyes but we can we can live for the king at least we can live for him he is my king and i need to i need to live for him i can put the robe on of serving my king and jesus wore the robe of death you remember in john 19:24 and for my vesture they did cast lots right there at the foot of the cross he wore the robe of death and what how can we look at that we need to die to ourselves We need to stop doing what we want to do and just do what God wants us to do. That sounds oversimplified, but that's the Christian life in a nutshell. Just do what God wants me to do. But you gotta do it right now. Not wait until next week. Do it right now because the time, knowing the time, is at hand. The time is late, and God wants to use you. Finally, in Romans chapter thirteen and verse fourteen make no provision for the flesh it's telling us don't make any provision don't provide for the for the sins of the flesh for that old man that's that old nature that's in your flesh don't provide any opportunity for the sinful ways in your life don't give the flesh an inch 1 Corinthians 15:33 be not deceived evil communications corrupt good manners find out who you are associating with The thoughts that you entertain during the day, the deeds that you find yourself doing, the things that you're watching and doing, cast them off. Cast it off. Don't give the flesh an inch. Turn to Proverbs twenty-two, please. A couple more scriptures here. Proverbs chapter twenty-two. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 3. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the froward. He that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. Pay attention to what's going on in your life. Take a good look at your life. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Be cautious. Be circumspect. Pay attention to what's going on around you. Use a little bit of God's wisdom in your life. And and guard your heart. And steer clear of the bad situations. You know, we know where we're going. We know what we're going to see when we click on this thing on the computer. and We know what we're going to run into that day. We know that if we go around these people, we're going to hear dirty jokes. We know, we know, we know. Well, the prudent man avoids that. And yes, it's going to mean a bit of a different lifestyle. But isn't that what we're supposed to be living anyway? Aren't we supposed to be different than the world? The prudent man sees the trouble ahead and he avoids it. Humble yourself and fear God. Keep your soul, meaning guard and protect it. Your, your mind and your will and your emotions. Guard your soul. Finally, it says in Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Do it now. See it now. Uh, Exhort one another. Help someone else. Serve the Lord. Amen. Do it today. Knowing the time. That it's high time. Uh, It's late. As I said, we're right up against it. He could come back at any moment. And we need to do all that we can. Amen? So, cast off anything in your life that does not lift up Christ. You know what it is. You know what's in your life that you've been battling with, that's been hindering your witness and hurting your walk with God. God tells, tells what we shouldn't do and what we should do. How to live this Christian life. Maybe some of those things weren't in your life, but there may be some other things in your life and they have control of you. They're just like the wine for the drunk. It has control of that person. We want the Holy Spirit to be in control of our life. We're not perfect. Anybody that knows me knows I'm not perfect. But I know one thing. I do have a desire to walk with God. And I fall down and stumble, and then I get back up again. And you can do the same thing. But many of us, we're not even trying to stumble in our walk with God. We've just turned it off, and we're not doing anything. we're, We're up against the clock here, people. Jesus is coming back. We're told to put on the armor of light, and this is God's armor for His people. The goal is to be like Jesus, Amen. Put on the robe of Jesus wore. Make no provision for the flesh. So why, why all the fuss? Why, why am I even preaching the message? Well, first I preach it to me and get myself all beat up, and then hopefully it helps you. Why, why are we doing it? Well, the time is late. I can't be any more... I don't know how to say that any differently, that Jesus could come back tonight. There's nothing that we're waiting for to happen. It could just happen. The table is set. Jerusalem is a cup of trembling to the world, even now. It's just funny the way the United States moved their embassy to Jerusalem. You know, finally now that we have our embassy back in Jerusalem where it should be, because it is the center of the, of, of creation as far as I'm concerned. That's God's holy city, that's God's people. Keep your eye on Jerusalem because the time is coming when the tribulation will be here. But first, before all that happens, and even though the table seems set in Matthew 24, we're gonna be out of here. We're gonna be gone. If we see all that now, what, what is supposed to take place in the, in the tribulation, then know that His time is coming. He's coming very soon. And there's going to be a time when you can't witness anymore. You can't tell your mom how to be saved. You can't tell your your brother how to be saved. It'll be over. You won't be serving down here anymore. You'll be serving him up there. But you know what? Before he wipes away all tears, I think some people, some of us are going to be ashamed. We're going to cry. We're going to be ashamed of ourselves. Why didn't I tell my brother one more time how to be saved? What, you know, and we're gonna cry some tears up there until God wipes them all away. And then, and then finally we'll have a a mind that is clean and clear and, and we, maybe we won't think about it anymore. What are we waiting for? Let's know the time is, is right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, uh, for the, Scripture, boy, it just Lord, sometimes it's very abrasive. It rubs us the wrong way. It's (laughs) you know exactly what's in our heart, you know what's in our life. And all of us, as we read our Bible, God, you speak to us. Well, I pray that we've just learned tonight that we just don't have a lot of time. That this life is going to be over soon, or we're gonna go to or we're gonna go be raptured. So one way or the other, we don't have a million years here. Uh, whatever we intend on doing, we need to do it today. We need to at least make up our mind that uh, we know the time, it's late, it's high time. And uh, we need to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that uh, it's a help to those who want to get involved in missions month, that they not only know who their missionaries are that they're supporting, but realize that they're a missionary right here. The mission field is right outside once we hit the parking lot. In fact, it's at the front desk out there is a mission field. People need to know how to be saved. And uh, Father, help us to be burdened in prayer. We love you. And thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.